Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of My Weekly Epiphany, where we discuss and share the epiphanies that come from our personal journeys, as well as the epiphanies that are sparked by current events. We explore various topics from dating and pop culture to social justice issues and simply navigating our everyday lives and sharing what epiphanies arise from it. I'm the creator and host, Bethany Epiphany, and it is my pleasure to welcome you back. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of my weekly epiphany. I'm your host and your friend, Bethany Epiphany. Congratulations on making it through another week. It is always nice to welcome you back. And please don't underestimate the fact that you made it through another week, like making it through another day, another hour, another minute, considering all that's going on is a triumph. So be kind to yourself. Y'all, my head has been spinning because of all this Trump nonsense. Like when you think it can't get worse, it actually does. Like he sinks to new lows and it amazes me how, considering what's going on, like it amazes me how calm people have been um, as this man spirals out of control. Like, yes, he is getting heavily criticized, but I guess I'm looking for that same wave of angry yet unified protest that happened after George, George Floyd to resurrect itself. But this time we would be unified in our desire to get Trump out of office and to uniformly and publicly denounce him. But I think folks are tired and drained and confused and scared. And I understand. However, one type of growing opposition has been in response to the Proud Boys, which is a hate group that reinforces white supremacy. I actually had a member of the Proud Boys comment on my IG page and try to gaslight me. And I looked at the comment and then I looked at who this little white boy was that was posting this nonsense. And right underneath his IG profile pic, it said, hash, I mean, it said in quotes, white lives matter more proudboys.com. I'm like, oh, these snakes are coming out into the light, honey. Like Trump has paved the way for them to come out of the shadows. So on Twitter, the LGBTQ community began posting pictures of themselves and their spouses and partners and friends and used the hashtag proudboys underneath their pics and are totally claiming the term. And that brought a little joy into my day. However, before that happened, I got into a conversation with a former colleague about voting. He is someone who feels that voting has minimal impact and harped on the fact that Hillary won the popular vote but still lost the presidency and how our voting system desperately needs to be revamped. And so I asked him what other solutions he had in mind and he shared his thoughts with me and I agreed with what he proposed. However, his solutions were a part of a bigger plan and vision that extends beyond November 3rd. And frankly, we don't have that kind of time. (laughs) Like, we are down to the wire, people. We have less than a month. And I respect my former colleague, but nothing my former colleague proposed would even come close to happening in a year, let alone less than 30 days. 
it's just interesting to me how some people begin talking about how problematic voting is right before an election. Like, why aren't we having these conversations or demand the restructuring of the voting process before a major election? It's interesting to me how some people express a lack of enthusiasm for voting, but offer no other immediate impactful solution that engages everyone. So I know that our voting system needs improvement. And yes, Hillary lost, but Obama won twice. So what that tells me, in addition to many other other examples, is that voting works. Obama had the most consistent, enthusiastic, well-thought-out voting campaign I had ever seen and got people to re-engage with the political process. People who never voted in their life voted for Obama, all because of the major push they made to get people out to vote. So I definitely understand the critiques of the voting process and the improvements that need to be made. But if voting has minimal impact, which my former colleague suggested, then it's because there is minimal engagement with it. People don't vote. Whether they are skeptical about the process or uneducated about what to vote for, or they simply don't care. They choose not to politically engage. They don't engage in the easiest way by voting, but then have the nerve to complain which I don't understand. If the argument is that voting has minimal impact, which I disagree with, then you know what is guaranteed to have zero impact? Not voting at all. A guaranteed way to make sure there is no change is to not vote. So guess what? By doing nothing, you are in fact doing nothing. Your stubborn stance to not vote helps no one. Voting is just a right that too many of us take for granted. And the fact that Trump was trying to strike fear into American citizens about voter fraud um, in regards to mail-in voting and is trying to dissuade people from political engagement, all because he's afraid he's going to lose, speaks to the power of voting to me. Don't let anyone scare you out of political engagement. I know this year has been beyond draining but you can still do something. We all can, and that's vote. So get out there. Okay, so we are going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. We are back. My epiphany for this week is in regards to my beloved home, Los Angeles. I was born and raised in Harbor City, which is in the South Bay. My family and I lived in Inglewood for a few years when I was a toddler. Then we moved to Harbor City. And many people mistake it for Carson or Torrance because it's so small and it blends right between those two areas that are mere blocks away. Um, The rest of my family is spread out over L.A., Compton, Gardena, South Central, and I love L.A. This is home. 
from the beaches to the weather to the diverse yet racially polarized neighborhoods, um, this is where I was seasoned and grew. Um, Some time ago, like maybe a year ago, I was engaged in conversation with this guy um, and and he was from Detroit. He was interviewing for a job and I was conducting the interview and we got into idle chit chat. He asked me where I was from, and I was like, oh, I'm from here, born and raised in L.A. And he was like, what part? And I was like, the South Bay. And he was like, oh, that's not really L.A. (laughs) It's like when people try and say they're from Detroit and they're not. (laughs) And he went on this tangent about how I don't know what I was talking about. And I thought two things. The first thing that came to mind was, bitch, you don't know me. You don't know where I'm from. And the second thought was, like, I couldn't imagine any person other than a white man, which he was, that would argue and try to correct me, a black woman, the person who played a role in offering him a job about where I was born and raised. If I were a white man, there is no way he would have responded the way he did. Did I mention that he was from Detroit, Michigan and had been living in L.A. for maybe six years? He's not even from here. And I had to seriously take a beat because I was in a professional setting. I did not go back and forth with him and I let him just continue his spiel. However, he is not the only one to make a comment like that. I've heard other LA natives make similar comments, not necessarily to me all the time, but I've heard remarks like, oh, that's not really LA. And all of this is pretty recent, at least for me. There's this conversation or debate in regards to territory and authenticity and who's really from LA and who isn't. And I've never experienced this before while living here. This bickering. Like I said, all this is fairly recent. And I'm like, what is going on? First off, let me just say that I know where I'm from and have no desire to front or fake like I am someone else or like I'm from somewhere I am not. I am from Harbor City, which is in Los Angeles County. So whether I say I'm from Harbor City or LA, both of those answers would be correct answers. For those who are not from here, they may not realize that there is the city of Los Angeles and the county of Los Angeles. Within the county of Los Angeles, you obviously have many cities, Compton, Long Beach, Santa Monica, Beverly Hills, etc. So for there to be this bickering amongst natives about who is really LA and who is not is silly. Or is it? I kept thinking, why is this argument of authenticity showing up so strongly right now? And then I thought, well, what is happening right now? Gentrification. Gentrification is happening right now. I was driving down Crenshaw by the Crenshaw Mall and on the corner of Crenshaw and MLK, I see this young white woman in a bikini top and short shorts with sunglasses riding her bike, excuse me, her beach cruiser in the middle of the Shaw. I drove through Windsor Hills, which is a black neighborhood. And I saw like a white family walking their dog with the baby strapped to them. I'm like, what? I was in Inglewood 
off a van ass and I saw a white person jogging with their dog and it was almost 10 o'clock at night and I'm like what the fuck like what planet am I on like I see the invasion happening right before my eyes now my white friends might be like well Bethany what's the issue with white people moving into these neighborhoods they can live wherever they want true they can live wherever they want. However, there is a history that we have to consider that I encourage you all to research. There's a history of redlining and white flight, urban renewal, and disinvestment over decades and generations that have created the ghettos and urban areas that exist. We're talking about neighborhoods that were intentionally abandoned because of the racial makeup of that neighborhood and that were heavily spoken poorly about and given a bad reputation. The New York Times wrote an article where they mentioned Richard Rothstein, who wrote The Color of Law. And it reads, As Richard Rothstein contends in The Color of Law, a powerful and disturbing history of residential segregation in America, the government at all levels and in all branches abetted this injustice. We have created a caste system in this country with African-Americans kept exploited and geographically separate by racially explicit government policies, he writes. Although most of these policies are now off the books, they have never been remedied and their effects endure. Despite this economic abandonment and bad reputation and racially unjust housing policies and practices, Residents of these urban neighborhoods created for these neighborhoods a specific feel and identity that reflected the racial makeup of these residents. They added their own flavor to these areas and brought in a cultural identity that is special and unique and that is theirs. Black and brown people turned nothing into something. We reclaimed what was once abandoned. Now enter gentrification. The book Gentrifier by John, I believe John Schlittman, uh, Mark Hill and Jason Patch defines gentrification as the reinvestment of real estate investment money or capital into disinvested, devalued, centrally located neighborhoods which fosters a new infrastructure for middle and high-income residents. Urbandisplacement.org says, while reinvestment in an area can be positive, gentrification also brings with it displacement, which means that in some of these communities, long-term residents are being pushed out of their homes and will not benefit from new investments in housing, healthy food access, or transit infrastructure. How come in order to improve a neighborhood, you have to push people, basically black and brown people out? I know people who receive numerous phone calls a day from real estate people and other business people asking or suggesting that they sell their home. Even though they tell these business people and investors no, and that they are not selling their homes and to stop calling, they don't stop calling. They keep calling and they keep putting the pressure on. This is happening in major cities across America. 
all at the same time. This is not a coincidence. There has been an aggressive plan to move black and brown folks out of these centrally located areas by pricing them out or pressuring them to sell their homes. And we're not just talking about the physical displacement of real people. We are talking about cultural displacement. When an influx of white people move into an area that was once deemed unfit, they have major impact and can change the look and feel of the area. Now, some of these people who who move into these areas, they don't contribute to or respect the cultural identity of that area. They whitewash it. The flavor, the identity is gone. Urbandisplacement.org even said that even for longtime residents who were able to stay in newly gentrifying areas, changes in the makeup and character of a neighborhood can lead to a reduced sense of belonging or feeling out of place in one's own home. So I'm wondering if all of this has contributed to the battle of identity and authenticity that I see happening in my city. People feel they need to protect their identity, which they feel is being threatened, but at the risk of opposing or fighting against the wrong people. So chew on that, and I will be back with my special guest. This guest loves LA just as much if not more than I do. So hold on tight, we'll be right back. So, hello friends, we are back from our break and now it is time for me to introduce my special guest, JT the LA Storyteller. JT the LA Storyteller is a poet, writer and podcaster in the city of Los Angeles, whose blog, Jimbo Times, the LA Storyteller, has published essays, poems, short stories, and more for Los Angeles since 2014. When not writing, researching, or organizing for Who Is Your Neighborhood, his new nonprofit for youth and family education in East Central Los Angeles, JT is recording for his podcast, JT, the LA Storyteller Podcast and getting his Los Quintos merchandise, Urban Fashion for Working Class LA, out to the people, to the students, and to more of those who make up Los Angeles the place he calls home. He credits his mama, his first and foremost teacher, for all his work today. Welcome, JT. Thank you so much, Bethany. It's such an honor to join you on this podcast. I've already checked out a few of the initial starting episodes and what uh, what a cool way, what a special way to connect with Los Angeles and to connect with another voice out in the city, out in these communities, interested in doing critical work for the uplifting of all of us. So really, thank you for having me on the show today. I really look forward to our conversation. Thank you for being here. And you already know, like I had to have you on here. When I first had the thought of doing this podcast, you were the person on my list. So I just had to have you on. And whenever Mm -hmm. I have on a special guest, I always talk about how I met them. So JT and I, we used to be former, former colleagues. We worked for the same nonprofit. 
And when I first got hired, the executive director was like, you've got to meet Jimmy. You would love him. And I was like, who is this Jimmy person? And I was like, okay. (laughs) So we go to the nonprofit's uh, gala, their annual gala. And that's where I met Jimmy. And Jimmy is like the definition of cool. He's like this little like Mexican Buddha. And he's like, he's like, I don't know, the most chill, cool person like you'll ever meet. And so we, you know, we got acquainted and then we just became friends. And it's a, all of my friendships are special. And Jimmy and I have this kind of relationship where it's like, you know, we don't need to talk every day or, you know, uh, every couple weeks. It's like, I just know he's someone who's there and who's encouraging. And if he doesn't like respond to a text in a certain amount of time, I would for him. There was this one incident. I have heard the wrath. Listen, don't do that. He went to China. And he didn't tell me that he went to China. And so I texted him <laughs> and he didn't text back. And I was like, you know, you your emotions move from one thing to the next. So at first, wow. I was like, what? how come he didn't text me back? And then I was like, uh-oh, what's going on with Jimmy? So I had to go to Facebook, y'all. And I forgot who, how I contacted whoever I did. Right. But I was like, have you seen Jimmy? And they were like... <laughs> He's in China. And I was like, oh, okay. He gets a pass. And when he got back, I was like, don't do that again. I was like, when you go to China, you let me know. Because if I'm looking for you and you don't respond, we have a problem. I remember that problem. I remember that problem (laughs) within the first few days of getting back, getting your texts. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, all right, where do I begin? Do not play this this is life or death. And if I am texting you and you know you're not going to be around, you better let me know ahead of time because I will reach out. <laughs> I will reach out and I will find you. <laughs> exactly. Like, don't go disappearing on me because I'll, I'll look for the homies because wow. I got worried. But I think it just speaks to the level of, you know, the the friendship we have and also the fact that I am protective of my friends. Wow. But, you know. Yeah, that does say a lot about your protective spirit. It's like, it's, it's it's not common to find folks out there who are willing to um, go the distance, if you will, to see what is going on with their folks, with their community. That's that's like the definition of a check-in and then that's the definition of, of loyalty, if you will, because it's it, it's like you're, you're not going to just run with the, you're not just going to run with the flow uh, when something has uh, perplexed you about where, you're, where your people are at. And, and, and you're going to pause and you're going to see what's going on and you're going to get to the answer you need to get to. And, and that's like, that's what we need in the village. That's what we need in the city of LA. That's, that's the type of, that's the type of calling out and reaching out to the people that we need more of out here uh, because we've lost so many spirits. We've lost so many souls. We've lost so many ancestors to, uh, to the lack of voices such as yours. So really what, what a special 
friendship that I'm honored to have. And wow. Yeah. I will not, I will not do that again. If I'm headed out, <laughs> I'm going to let you know. because There is no need. There's no, no need to get worried. No need to get all, all in the wrath. Like, like what I heard when I came back from China of all places. Of all places. Jeez. Well, you know, we both learned an important lesson. You know, I learned a lesson about more about me. So let's get into our conversation. I'm going to begin with the first question, which is what is the focus of Jimbo Times? Like what stories are you looking to tell in Jimbo Times, L.A. Storyteller? Yes, that's a really great question. Jimbo Times is, as you noted at the start, a publication I launched back in 2014, and it really came from a humble place. Uh, I, I, I walk through a lot of LA when I can, when, uh, when I sort of, um, when I sort of am called to do that. And and one night I found myself walking from mom's, from mom's newsstand in the neighborhood. And I looked along this stretch of the boulevard and I saw small business owners just like herself, uh, people that uh, had had their work up, people who had had these livelihoods uh, in the vicinity since time immemorial. And I just thought to myself, these folks are here every day. They are here um, giving it everything they got. They're loyal. They're humble, they're hardworking, and yet it feels like they're somehow still not seen. Mm. And then, as in when, when we have these sort of, um, when we have like these power players, when we have like these media publications, when we have even the city's paper talking about the city of LA, it's, it's, it's difficult for me, even in 2020, to come across uh, stories centered around working class people uh, in in a critical but also constructive way and so mm-hmm. i thought to myself wow like i have to i have to make a note of this i've just got to make a note that that this neighborhood and that any neighborhood like it and that this community and any community like it throughout the city of la because there are many it just goes on and on that they matter that they're that they're vivid that they're filled with wonder and that they're filled with stories that that we can only begin to uncover if we put our minds to it so ever mm. since then ever since then jt the la storyteller or jimbo times the blog has been about getting working class voices uh heard including my own voice but also the voices of students also the voices of fellow writers also the voices of anyone out uh, in the city of in the city of LA, but also beyond the city of LA, who uh, who wants to let it be known that the working class is is alive and well in America, even despite America, and and mm-hmm. so and so we're out here. We've we've been out here doing this, and um, and we have to continue doing so because uh, we're holding on. We're holding on until the wheels fall off, and and even if it appears like we're getting there. <laughs> Now at rapid speed, uh, with with everything coming up in the next few weeks during this critical time, 
I, still, still we're here and still our communities rock on and still our communities have, have survived the test of time over and over again. So for me, uh, honoring those communities, honoring these, these people, these neighborhoods, these struggles, that's just in order as in like, it's just what I got to do. It's been that. And, and it remains that six years later. Mm, that's wonderful. You know, the fact that it's, it's coming from a genuine place to highlight these people, these stories that just don't get told and, you know, showcase them in the fullness of their humanity and that they make up this city and what makes it so great. So Jimbo Times is a great resource and I'll, we'll get into where you can find it and, you know, tap into it a little bit later. Uh, but sure. I wanted to ask you, Jimmy or JT, <laughs> where sure. are you from and what is your personal history with LA? Yeah, where am I from? I think that that's, that's really a fascinating question because I think some days like I'm, I'm walking around and I'm wondering like, all right, did I live the life that I live or <laughs> was that, <laughs> was that in my imagination or mm -hmm. like, did everything come together over uh, X amount of years or did everything come together in the last uh, 30 seconds? Like, mm -hmm. like it, it's interesting because, because where I'm from is, is this place, right? And everyone's place is, is a little unique to them. And, and even if I'm, even if I'm from like, say the East central LA side, which, which certainly I'm, I'm happy to claim and I'm happy to, to note as, as the place of my upbringing and all, when you grow up in a city like LA, you find yourself in so many different parts of LA, uh, mm -hmm. just, just out of sheer necessity. So like, mm -hmm. So like whether it's mom having to go uh, downtown to the office because she's got some she's got some debts that she needs to pay. She has courtroom appointments. She has uh, these applications that she needs to get through or whether it's us uh, going out to the LAX airport because mom has to get somewhere. Mom has to go and visit family elsewhere. Uh, you remember going through things like the 105 freeway and like the sort of eeriness of that at night and, mm. and, and whether it's, whether you live on the East side or, or the South side or uh, somewhere else in the city of LA, you, you find yourself skipping in between so many different parts of it, but more, more than anything, you're going to go where you can find something for yourself. And so, mm. And, and so when we are talking about black and brown communities in Los Angeles, you're, you're talking about places where we can afford to eat, places where mm -hmm. we can afford to sit down, places where we can afford to uh, walk around uh, for a moment before moving on with the rest of our business. And so that, that includes a lot of LA. So, so I'm definitely from Los Angeles uh, as a whole because I've, I've come across so much of it and I, and I refuse to let go of any single bit of it. Right. It's all, mm -hmm. it's all very precious terrain. Uh, and, and I don't, even though I, even though I may be very neighborhood based in the sort of work that I do uh, over the course of, of time, for me, this whole city needs to get up and this whole city needs to be doing things. And, and that is the long-term game. 
because certainly, certainly I wouldn't, I wouldn't want any less. Right. And you said something very interesting that I want to get into later, but talking about how, you know, part of being LA or from LA is about moving between LA. And that's something I don't know if a lot of people who are not from here understand, but we're definitely, you've touched on something I really want us to get into, but kind of on that same line, what is something most people who are not from LA don't know or have a misperception of about LA? That's really good. I I think that, I think the sort of elephant in the room there is is the Hollywood scene and and how far Hollywood mm-hmm. how far Hollywood goes and how far Hollywood spans. Hollywood is a tiny little stretch on the on the north uh, central um, north central west side of LA and and really sir, it, it's like the idea that uh, we're living next to superstars and and these sort of uh, celebrities and that we're all like bunkered within blocks of each other, this, even though sometimes that might be the case, that's, that's not at all what you're sort of worried about as a sort of working class person in a city like LA. You're not thinking about mm-hmm. which, which celebrities you'll see next. You're thinking about, you're thinking about surviving this city, which is a, a mass of concrete and which is a right. mass, which is a mass of, a, a sort of emptiness at times, uh, which is a mass of abandonment at times when mm-hmm. it comes to working class communities. And so I do think that the working element of LA, that is to say the people doing the bus driving, the people doing the grocery bagging, the people doing the uh, the fruit standing on the street, uh, the people doing the janitorial work, the people doing the street uh, lighting work, the construction work and so on. These are figures and and faces and voices that we don't uh, often think about when it comes to LA. And so mm-hmm. I think we're we're now getting to a place of really challenging that and and really um, crafting a different picture of what the city is and even what the city has been and what the city still may be. So I do think that yeah, we're we're not in Hollywood. Believe me, uh, LA. <laughs> LA trounces over little old Hollywood um, by by a long shot. So please get that out of your mind when you're thinking of visiting this 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 rich, uh, incredible, sort of uh, really baffling city. Uh, the next time that you get to make your way out here, folks from outside of LA. It's very interesting that you bring up Hollywood because that is the first place that people want to go, and so. In my experience, when people from out of town come to LA and they go to Hollywood, they're like, this isn't what I thought it would be. Like, (laughs) this isn't what it looks like in the movies. And I was like, no, girl, it's not. Like, there are pieces of Hollywood, you know, that have, like, the clubs or whatever. But once you step out onto that concrete, Hollywood's, it's kind of rough. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Especially, Especially at night. And so you got to be mindful of your surroundings. And it's like people are thinking about the lights and, you know, the just this 
a, a celebrity scene and they don't see or I think when they get here, they begin to understand like this is a different this is different from what I expected. And they are uh, encountering that working class. Right. They're encountering these people, this uh, these this cohort of people that often get disregarded and overlooked. So when they come to Hollywood, they're expecting to see all this stuff. And what you see are working class people, like you said before, hitting the pavement, living their lives and, you know, focusing on survival. So it's like that shock of, oh, (laughs) (laughs) this ain't it, you know? Yeah. And and I'd, I'd definitely say, like, if you're coming out to a place like Hollywood, maybe like maybe the way that someone from L.A. is going out to New York and visiting Madison Square Garden I'd, I'd really just say, if you want to do that, all right, for sure, just watch your wallet while you do that. As in, right. even if you want to right. go explore a place, even if you want to go uh, check out this this geography and this history and, and this mythology, wh- whatever it may be, uh, fine, go ahead and do that. But But understand that if you do that at the same time that you spend in places like that, which are, which are, often not even owned by the people you see up front, uh, but which are owned right. by, by multiple different interests, folks who are re- raking in cash uh, every day and every month and every year from this sort of um, this false image and this constructed image of what the city is, then guess what? You're, you're falling in to that cycle like a fish and, and right. really, and really, if, if you want to check it out, if you want to, if you want to sort of uh, see what all the hype is about, then do that. But watch your wallet because uh, because the city is built off of the city is built off of folks not knowing. Yeah, right. It's just a matter of what you see on TV is not the reality of of that particular place. Right. It's not the Hollywood scene necessarily that you're thinking about. Um, and another thing that I feel people have a misperception of. It really bothers me when transplants, and by transplants, I mean people who are not from LA, they moved to LA, maybe they've been here for a week, three months, right, right, um, even a year, and they'll say things like, people in LA are just so shallow. Um, they're so fake, and they're so this and so right. that. Definitely. And that pisses me off. Because I'm like, you don't know L.A. Right, right. And when, whenever I say whenever someone says that to me, I know immediately that they are not from this from L.A. Right, right. And I'm like, you're clearly spending your time in a particular areas, specific areas. Sometimes it could be Beverly Hills, could be Santa Monica. I'm not saying that all those people there are shallow. Right. But, you know you're around a specific like vibe or energy. I'm like, go to Compton and tell the people in Compton that they're shallow and stuck up. Why don't you come over here to Gardena or Southeast LA or Carson and you make those same claims to those people. That lets me know that you haven't explored enough. And so that's a misperception that really irks my nerves because you haven't explored. Right, right. And, you know, when someone does say that in a community, in a village, in a neighborhood where, where folks know each other, that's just another day in L.A. That's just that's just another that's just another outsider. That's just another um, that's, that's sort of just another lost soul 
yes who's out here and who can who can rock the microphone to themselves as much as they like as long as they like because we get that every day as in there are people uh, whether whether they're preaching to the city or whether they're uh, hounding at the city or whether they're screaming at passersby or whether they're begging folks uh, for a moment of their time there are all sorts of folks out there who've got uh, all kinds of things to say about LA and and who is real here and who is not and so the moment you fall into that trap of of the, the of that cliche that is that folks are so uh, shallow out here then guess what you made it but you, you didn't make it onto this side. You made it onto, you made it onto the wrong side of the tracks, and we wish you the best of luck with that. Mm, it just bothers me, so it just irks my nerves. Um, but with that, I do have another question. So now that we've talked about the misperceptions, what is something that most people outside of LA have an accurate perception of about LA? I think that, I, well, I think you're going to like this. I think that a lot of people are actually right that folks out in LA are super fake and super shallow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but, but what I mean is that. We just made a case a for little, this. A OMG. Little, a little 360, right? You're, yes. you're ruining the philosophical <laughs> point here. But what, I actually, you are. but what I actually mean is that folks get that right. It, it's just that they they may not necessarily know how right they are. And, and that is, they may not necessarily know uh, how deep shallowness goes. And, and to be more specific, when I think of uh, LA's political leadership, and when I think of LA's business leadership, and when I think of LA's uh, historically segregated, historically, um, hi historically sort of um, punitive culture for so many different communities out here who who threatened the status quo, who threatened the dividends of the um, of the big timers, of the boosters, of the real estate developers, and so on and so forth. I think that's how far shallowness goes. So that is to say that when our communities are being criminalized by something like the LA um, something like the LA County Jail or the LA Sheriff's Department, or the LA Police Department, that's a shallow philosophy of what communities in LA are like and what communities mm -hmm. in LA deserve. Um, mm -hmm. when, when, when there are not enough, um, when there's not enough personal protective equipment for hospital workers in LA, uh, or when there are more, uh, where there are more vacant units in the city of Los Angeles, then there are people who sleep on the streets and, mm. it's, and it's just like that. And it just stays that way. That's shallow. That's shallowness coming from our political leadership, from our business leadership, from, uh, from these, these corporations and, and folks who make up uh, these international, uh, these international financial interests and so on and so forth. That to me is the shallowness. So when, when folks are saying people out here are shallow, I think, yeah, the people out here are shallow, just not the people you might be looking at. It's it's mm -hmm. it's people behind it's people behind these walls, and and they're people far and away 
who had this shallow image of, of what the city should be and how it should work for them and them specifically over others. And that's how far the shallow goes, if you will. So that's, that's, that's what I think mm -hmm. folks are actually right about. It's just a little misplaced sometimes. <laughs> Dang, JT. That was a good ass answer. <laughs> 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 you, was, you was about to feel my wrath again okay we're i was about, about to, to come go, down like what about to go in live on the podcast <laughs> exactly but i think that's interesting because you know uh, looking at the at the word itself and what what the word means and how you actually apply that word um and i think you're right and you know for me, it, it, what it's sounding like is is neglect, right? Yes. So, and that's the 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 issue and the challenges. So, um, I'm definitely with you on all of that. Your answer was way better than my answer. My answer was gonna be <laughs> like they're right about the traffic and how oh. much traffic there is in LA. You you oh. went way <laughs> deep. Dang! How come I didn't have a deep ass answer? Hey, you know oh. what? Hey, traffic is deep. Do not get it. <laughs> traffic is deep. Traffic, it is so uh, is steep. Traffic. And it's like, and you, you transplants, you know what I'm saying? Y'all coming over okay. here. Y'all not helping the traffic situation. Okay. I'm going to need coming, everybody. And they're also coming when they're also coming when, with the U-Hauls and yeah. You're in the middle of the road and there's a U-Haul in front of you and you can't pass. And it's just like, this is it. <laughs> this is it. This is how we exactly. go down. Exactly. So it's like when people are coming over here and they're complaining about certain problems, it's like, well, you are, you know, contributing possibly to some of those problems. So I need you to, you know, check yourself, take a breath because you did decide to move here. And, you know, enjoy the city, explore the city, various cities. And I wanted to know, and I feel like I know your, your answer to this question, but what is your favorite city in L.A. and why? Oh, that's interesting. I'm interested to, I'm interested to know what, your, what, what you might think my answer is. <laughs> yeah. I think your answer, oh, do you want to say your answer first? Yeah, maybe no. Actually, yeah, I'd I'd rather hear what you might think my favorite neighborhood is. I feel like you're gonna say something really philosophical and deep, and be like, you know what? I have no favorite city. All of LA is my favorite because <laughs> it just is. Wow. So that's what I feel like your answer is gonna be. That's one of those situations where you you know me better than I know myself sometimes. Yeah. I <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's tough because it's tough because going back to the beginning at the beginning, and I guess this this is how you can cross reference if you're listening and if you're wondering whether the the answering is just like playfully thought up or it, or if I'm being if I'm being like uh, if I'm trying to be overly nice or or somehow politically on point here. But at the beginning, at the outset, we said, oh, like. Being in LA, you go from part to part in LA. You go from mm -hmm. uh, one one place to the next. You do a little bit of like hopscotching out here, and mm -hmm. and every part of it is critical. And mm -hmm. and to me, there's a way in which 
getting a little too caught up in just one side of LA is an issue. So like, mm. um, so like if, if you think that your neighborhood is, is, is strictly what's important is strictly what's critical out here. You got that twisted because the neighborhoods are built off of each other and the neighborhoods have, uh, th- they have the same political leadership, sometimes the same political lack of leadership, sometimes mm-hmm. the same, um, the same racist police filtering through the intersections, sometimes the same uh, drug addiction and teenage pregnancy and uh, unhoused folks filtering all through the community, right? So like, to me, it's difficult to pick one particular city. Uh, I've got like, I've got hotspots and and favorite places that that I like to go and and, and to be sure, I guess I could shout out just a few. Just to be sure, I, I do like, mm-hmm. I do like getting out. Uh, I do like getting out to Long Beach, actually, which which is which is just a retreat from LA when you need to get away from um, from the sort of heaviness of of the larger mm-hmm. city. Long Beach is that slice of LA where where things still feel a little bit like, all right, we this might still be somewhat manageable. We got the beach air. Um, traffic is a mess still uh, you can't you can't get away from the traffic and uh, on this side of town in southern california and yet if if you lose your mind the sand is not far along and you can just uh take a minute to take some refuge along the sand and and with the ocean right by you um i will say rather than rather than like um Rather than favorite neighborhoods, I guess there are also some neighborhoods I'm not so crazy about, and mm. and and I think that neighborhoods I'm not so crazy about include Santa Monica because I think it's so awkwardly built. I think that interesting. Yeah, I think it's it's really awkwardly built, and and it's always an issue getting out to Santa Monica, and and folks in Santa Monica might say, well, we we don't necessarily want more people from outside of that, uh, from outside of Santa Monica getting out here. And by all means, I, I hear that for sure. But in terms of finding parking in the city of Santa Monica and, and in terms of finding parking in places like Manhattan Beach and in terms mm. of um, finding a, a place to, to sit and chill in a city like, um, like the, in, in a city sort of like what you get in Larchmont Village or what you get in mm. places like uh, the Grove Center, that whole Melrose slash Fairfax area, it, it, yeah. it's, it's a problem. And and it's not that I don't like being there, but I, I want to shout out the late. I want to shout out the locals there, and I want to shout out the natives there. That hey, we need to redo these cities, and we need to make them friendlier to communities, and we need to make them more walkable, and we need to make them uh, more feasible for 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 our kids for our grannies for our granddaddies and so on because uh, it's our city and and we can't let these companies and we can't let these corporations um, divvy up everything for us and and tell us how to eat because that's essentially what's been done over the course of x amount of time uh, a seriously long time and we need to start doing away with that if we're going to survive out here and if we're going to be true neighbors out here so shout out to all the work that we still got to do in these neighborhoods 
That's so interesting that you say that. Okay. Number one, I was going to say Long Beach was my favorite city too. Um, I think if I'm not mistaken, it's like the oldest city in LA and it has like this, you know, this mix of old and new and it's, it's, I feel like it's very diverse and um, it's, it, like you said before, it doesn't feel as heavy and it feels like you can breathe a little bit better right <laughs> in there with like if I compare Long Beach to like downtown LA which is for me are just so opposite um but I love Long Beach and I also enjoy Lamert Park which is one of the few and I do mean few areas like black areas where you have like black coffee shops and you know just black businesses um so I enjoy that area too when you're talking about Santa Monica and how it's oddly built, I never thought about it like that before. But now when I'm thinking about like the promenade or something, and I'm thinking about like the really tall buildings and how they just kind of, you know, they built this new infrastructure. Right. And your argument that it needs to be more accessible. And part of me is like, well, maybe that was the intention to make sure that it's not accessible. Right. right? right. So Santa Monica is it's built for young white millennials who, you know, can ride their bikes on these very narrow streets and the streets for to meet, you know, they're cute, but parking wise, it's a mess. Um, the accessibility it, it is challenging. So if you don't have a car, right, how do you get there? There, there is the bus, but it's just something I never, I didn't think about before until you said, I was like, huh, it is kind of oddly built, isn't it? Right, right. I never, I never thought about it before. You know, and the one um, thing, the one thing that I think, the the one thing that I think that COVID nineteen really sort of allows folks to think about is density and like how do you, how do you sort of like, um, how do you engage with that a little bit and how do you mitigate density so that you're not always dealing with, with masses, with hordes, with like this uncontrollable sort of. Um, mixture of folks that that might not always be sustainable for the for the overall community if you will so like Mm -hmm. it's it's cool that we can get out and cluster in places like venice beach and and in places like santa monica sometimes and yet is is that the only way that we know how to do going to the beach i I think that there have to be Mm -hmm. different ways where um, one we can get out there maybe we can park our car maybe we don't need to drive for sure make more bike lanes then uh, and then let communities of color know that they can sit and eat at a restaurant in in a place like Santa Monica and that they're welcome to do so and that it's and and that it's live that it's what the city is about so there are just little things like this that uh, may seem may seem like minor infractions if you will but over the course of time it has a way of like pushing folks pushing folks away from, from these types of spaces slash places, because it feels like, nah, it's, it's a mess out there. It's just Mm -hmm. too much out there. You don't want to be in in a place like that when it's so densely done. So maybe COVID-19 gives us a chance to really analyze and see like, all right, density is okay, but can we mitigate that? Can we, can we make it ebb and flow a little better? It's it's a science certainly, but what else do we have to do if, if not, uh, again, create better communities for more sustainable futures out here. So like when you're in Santa Monica and 
like and you're walking around or what have you do you feel like you can't sit down do you feel like you know do you feel like an outsider like you're not welcome there I feel like I'm there to, I'm, I feel like I'm there to, uh, if, if I'm in Santa Monica, I want to engage with the natural environment and the natural geography. Like if, mm-hmm. like the, like the beach is super elemental. So it, it's like, mm-hmm. we're going there because we're, we're going back to the basics. We need some air and we need uh, to stroll by the, we need to take a stroll by the water and, and we need a little bit of, of time to do this. And, and so the, the beach then and, and the way that I interpret going to the beach is, is very much about this sort of relaxation and, and this, this really sort of calmed and, and sort of, uh, s- sort of relaxing and, and, and sort of, um, sort of conducive in, conducive experience to uh, meditation, if not, if not analyzing, if not uh, relaxing for a little bit so that I can go on with the rest of what I got to do with a, with a clearer mind, with a fresher mind. And so that's one thing, going to the beach and, and sort of like finding out a little space to do that and, and then living with it. But then when I step out of the beach and when I'm walking around, as you put it, the promenade and when I'm, I'm looking around at these restaurants and when I'm looking around at these companies, it might be the Gap store, it might be it might be some Mexican restaurant. It might be some lobster, uh, some lobster sit down place. That's when everything feels like, all right, we're back in the mix. We're back in the city, like in the city is, mm-hmm. and the city is dense and the city is, and the city is unorganized and the city is constantly sort of like just on the cusp of a breakdown, if you will. So that, that might be like something slightly claustrophobic in me, but on the other hand, I think to myself, but there may be a way to one, make this, make this surrounding area more affordable uh, so that it doesn't feel like you're always in some hot spot and some hot seat and like you better get out quick because that's not, that's not what I want to go out to the beach and to the beach side for. I want to chill and I want to relax my mind a little bit. And so Santa Monica is, is like really overdone and overkill. And if, and if I were to give you, and if I were to give you a, if I were to give you an alternative or if you wanted, if you wanted me to name an alternative, I'd say that if you get out to the city of Oxnard and if you mm-hmm. got, and if you got to the beach in Oxnard, uh, as well as even Long Beach, uh, there you have an environment that again is not as heavy and is not as, uh, as not as pushy as what you're going to get in a place like Santa Monica, especially during the, the sort of peak times that people visit during the summertime and so on. That's interesting. I would oppose that and say, well, not oppose necessarily as much as provide another perspective is that, you know, it could just be a matter of, of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, of what you like, of taste, right? So, and I think the good thing about LA is the fact that these different, beaches offer a different type of vibe right so long beach is that place where you can kind of woosah and you know chill out and chillax a little bit um and santa monica and the pier it gives you that that liveliness and that upbeat energy that maybe some people are looking for or want um 
They want to be able to hit the beach and then hit the pier and go on the and hit the uh, shopping and do all those things. So I think LA provides all that, you know, depending on on what you're looking for and what your vibe is and what your scene is. I think, but I'm going to be thinking about the Santa Monica thing for a, for a while. Like, hmm. And I know you kind of touched on this already, but this whole podcast, this episode was sparked by this idea that Native LA people um, are in a battle with each other over who is really from LA and who is not, who's really LA and who isn't. And so what do you think about this argument amongst LA natives about who is really from LA and who is not, who is authentic and who is not? And have you heard that from anyone or is it just me? Oh, for sure. It's not just you. We've had to make LA out of what we know, out of a couple of intersections, out of a couple of different restaurants and, and a couple of different neighborhoods and so on. And we defend those things vigorously because that's what we got out here in the absence of, um, in the absence of more abundant resources, right? So the, the nativity question, I think really, especially when folks are very passionate about being a native, I think they power to those folks and let them do what they can with the term so long as they are defending something that is uh, something that is critically theirs and critically also belonging to other folks. Uh, who, in a way, have been passed over uh, since we know that that's the case, since, since, since the whole world can look at, at a city like Los Angeles and not just L.A. and, and point out how, oh, these folks uh, on this side of town, they've got, they've got the streets lined up, they've got streets cleaned, everyone's got their own separate lot, everyone's got their own, uh, their own protocol as to uh, who, who to call, and who to get to when it is that they need some work done, when it is that they need some police, when it is that they need uh, a, a financial loan and so on and so forth. And these folks, on the other hand, uh, on, on the south side, uh, in the central side, on the east side, who are far bigger in, in terms of numbers, they're just, they're just wandering out here like the pigeons. They're just uh, in the middle of in the middle of a wasteland and, and they will do what they, what they have to, to survive. And that's just what it's been out here. Right. So in 2020, if I feel very passionate about a particular part of the city, I have a reason for that. I got a real reason for that. And I'm likely not the only one. And so I, I think folks are right to, to defend nativism up to a point and then to recall, all right, like at some point, our people weren't here either. And, and, and our people were coming from somewhere else, too. So how is it that we can uh, sort of honor what we know is home, but also make sure that this home is uh, a welcoming space and a welcoming environment, not just for ourselves, but also for those who we may not know and those who may not know these places. Right. And and I think that's when. Uh, that, that's when folks such as yourself and folks such as myself, the idea is, yeah, let's create a, a village of the city and not just uh, these divided lines and these divided tracks and these divided uh, ways of thinking, because uh, clearly that's not working out for us. And that's on the and, and that's on the downhill. And so let's let's do something better with our communities. Let's do something better, whether we're natives or whether we're just getting out here. 
let's let's build so that it's it's truly a um, a healthy environment for uh, the net the net gain that is for all of us. I think that's interesting. I think that passion for where you come from is one thing, and I think that's great. But I think when we're talking about like LA natives who are arguing arguing with each other over who's really LA and who's not, you know, is you know is problematic. And I feel like maybe this opposition amongst LA natives stems from gentrification and this fear of being erased um, and having our contributions to the neighborhood um, disregarded. You know what I'm saying? Um, And that's kind of where I think it's, it's stemming from possibly. Right. And well, that's what I mean in the, in the wake of an absence of, of an actual uh, financial opportunity for say folks such as yourself and families such as yourself and communities such as yourself to build LA on these sort of self-standing terms on, on these terms uh, where you get to make of the city uh, what you, what you please and, and what you're, what you're owed as say an American citizen uh, who pays taxes and who works here and who abides by the laws and so on and so forth. Um, so to put it to put it on even more concrete terms, the people of the people who live in the, in the community of Watts, they don't they didn't get there because they they strictly wanted to cluster together in places like Watts, right? And the people who mm-hmm. lived in West Adams didn't live in West Adams strictly because they wanted to be right next to each other in West Adams, uh, but. But the laws of the land were such that uh, you were not going to live where white folks were going to live, and you right. and you were gonna you were gonna find a separate space for yourself, and uh, you would not be lended to, and uh, you would still have to pay uh, the mortgage, which was sometimes, uh, which more often than not was more steep, since you didn't have a loan. Uh, to cover your tracks and to cover your traces and so on. And so it was the situation where over the course of time, over the course of generations, because you don't have a concerted investment in communities, uh, whether the particularly black and brown communities, but also Asian communities in the city of LA, because you don't have an actual concerted effort to develop these cultures and to, to develop these peoples and to let them develop their own ways we latch on to very tiny slices of LA because that's where our people have been relegated to in very real ways. And, right. and so when, when I think of, when I think of the world post-World War II, uh, when, when folks uh, got GI bills and where they literally got money from the government to go and find a home uh, mm. and, and to go and find employment after that, or, or maybe concurrently, that is to say alongside that, so that they could make a living for themselves and their families and their futures. You cannot find a millennial who has that same shot, right? Right. And certainly not one from our communities. And so these neighborhoods are are the little pieces that we've been able to muster through and, and, and get through, uh, get through with. And so we hang on to them in, in very real, very visceral ways. But also I think 
what you're talking about when it comes to a friend who says, yeah, but that's not LA. Um, I think that's, that's a situation where again, yeah, like in, in the, in the advent of these smartphones and this technology, uh, the images that had a long-term standing in LA only got a better standing in LA. Uh, whereas the voices who, um, the, the voices and the figures and the people who've been on the margins, we remain on the margins in very real ways. Even though we can make our voices heard, even though we can get together and, and build communities, uh, Hollywood's only gotten stronger since, uh, since, since the iPhone, right? And Hollywood and, and the Hollywood sign and the Griffith Observatory and these sort of cliches about LA, they've actually stood the test of time, right? We're now combating that and we're getting better and better at doing it. But at times, there's still just such a long way to go. And at times, it, it, it can come off as uh, sometimes even your, own, even your own people, your own community saying, hold up, that's not LA. And you got to be like, wait, you need to chill. <laughs> like, you, you need to rethink what LA is here for a moment because you, you really, you really got to twist it if you don't think that what I've been through is not LA. Right. Right. It's... It's crazy. I had someone tell me that I was in LA and I mentioned this before I, um, before my interview with you and how this person mentioned that I was in LA and this person's from Michigan. And I'm like, how are you going to tell me I'm not from LA and you're not from here at all, bro. <laughs> and so I'm just like, stop. And then, you know, people who might be from South Central LA talking about, oh, well, this over here is not like that's it's just like yo this, let's let's cut this out like right. why the, the battle is not amongst ourselves about authenticity um and we need to focus it on you know what's happening right now in our communities i think it's the the opposition is misdirected and we need to focus on salvaging our communities um because you know gentrification is happening and um how do we protect th this sliver, you know, we, that we have and, you know, as black and brown communities basically turned nothing into something and how do we, you know, maintain, I guess, what we've built or, you know, solidify what we've built. And um, I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> Right, but, right. Um, because, right. Because if, if you're in, whether you're in, uh, say, Manchester and I don't know, like 120th Street or whether you're, uh, whether you're on like, um, whether you're in the South Bay where you find yourself hailing from or whether you are in East Central LA, such as I am and so on, um, you're still relegated to the little corner you've been relegated to. And, and you're mm -hmm. still expected to abide by the laws uh, in a very particular way because that's, that's what it's been and that's what it remains. And because uh, w whether we happen to be on one particular side of the geography or another, our place is our place, at least according to the laws of the land and at least according to redlining and according to the uh, racial covenants and according to deed restrictions and according mm -hmm. to... Uh, the LAPD and according to the LA County Sheriff's Department and according to right. uh, Rick Caruso and um, 
and and these billionaires out here who've who've defined LA uh, for themselves with us as the workers, as in they 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 could see who it would be that'd be cleaning their their lobbies, who it is that would be serving their tables, who it is that would be uh, driving their cars and so on. And that's what they uh, pictured our people for. And, and and when you get there, it doesn't matter whether you're coming from the South Bay or whether you're coming from uh, Crenshaw or whether you're coming from uh, Santa Monica and Vermont, such as such as I have been, such as you have been, and such as our people have been, right? And so I do think that is a key point in terms of like, there, there is a real learning moment or an epiphany there, if you will, in terms of like, don't get too caught up in that sense of uh, what do you have and, and what little slice of the city you have and, and what, mm-hmm. um, what roots you may have because you're, you're, the, the way that you struggle through the city is very much interconnected with the way other people such as yourself are struggling through the city. You have to see that. The more we're divided amongst each other, the longer that this takes. So we have to rein ourselves in a little bit on that, uh, on, on that type of nativism, if you will, or that type of identity claiming. Well, well, well. I mean, you you jumped the gun and went straight for the epiphany, friend. That means you're gonna have to think of another one. But- oh, what? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> now you're gonna have to. <laughs> you- yeah. You have to think of another way because you you jumped the gun. Because <laughs> I love my I love my how you. Laugh- I love how I you love will, I, I love how you will take people to task on your podcast right in the <laughs> middle of it. Like it's not it's not a part that you're gonna smooth over. It's like, hold up. That, there's a format here. You're over here moving things along quicker than they need to be. We're gonna go right back. That's so <laughs> So bad. Listen, I'm not gonna know because it's a real conversation, and you know, sometimes the the spirit moves through you, and you know, and you're just speaking from, you know, your gut. So I don't want to interrupt it. It just means you got to have another epiphany. But as you're thinking about your epiphany, why do you love LA? I love LA because I've gotten to meet people such as yourself, young professionals and fellow natives such as yourself and and uh, other folks around us, people that we know, people people who have continually supported us in these creative ventures. We're really staking out something different for ourselves out here because we we love our city, we love our communities, but we also are are ready to fight for these um, for these things. We're ready to stand tall for these things. We're ready to uh, call for a new future over these things. And that's what, we, that's what we've been doing, going out to these schools and going out to uh, these, these various events with other folks um, who are looking to do work in uplifting cities like LA. We know that it's needed and that if we weren't doing it, that it just wouldn't be getting done. We are going to take a break. I think that's the perfect place to take a break. And we will be right back with our epiphanies. Okay, we are back. And now it's time for my epiphany because JT has, you know, uh, dropped a lot of gems. He gave his epiphany, um, shared his passion Um, And so now I'm going to end with mine. And for my epiphany, 
I mean, it, it kind of echoes just what we've been talking about in this dialogue, which is everyone and, you know, every city in, a, in L.A. County comprises an important piece of the L.A. experience. So L.A. for me is Santa Monica and Compton. It's downtown and East L.A. It's the South Bay and Koreatown and South and South Central. Um, L.A. is all of these things. So no one is more or less authentic. Um, no one is more or less L.A. Um, I see our city as a quilt, you know, different pieces that make up the whole. Um, I know that the unique identity of some places is being more seriously threatened than others uh, due to gentrification, but let's not carry the spirit of divisiveness um, amongst each other because LA would not be LA without all of us. Um, wow. And Dang. that's my epiphany. I that's tried. I was like, Jake, I'm like, JT's not going to show me up on my own podcast. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Dropping gems that. and stuff. I love that. That was like, that was like, uh, wow, that was like a serenade. That was like, I felt like oh. I was at the top of the Culver City stairs. Stop. Stop it, friend. Seriously. Flatter me. No, that's why you have a podcast and and that's why you're doing this because the people need to the people need to hear this the people need to get this knowledge and cheers Bethany I'm so happy that you're still out here doing it because hey if you're still doing it then that means that it's okay if I'm still doing it too oh thanks JT cheers to you too I'm always proud of you I'm always honored to call you friend um people don't know like JT is someone that I've gotten like like broken down in front of like on the phone and was like so sad and it's just you know um being able to you know showcase that level of vulnerability with someone and it's just like again testament to our friendship and, and the type of person uh JT is which is authentic and kind and compassionate and is down for the people and uh, social justice and, and not shallow, not shallow, not shallow at all. <laughs> not when it doesn't not count. Not when it doesn't count. <laughs> we we have our moments out here too. Listen, as far well, my inter interactions with you have never been shallow. They've always been super deep, um, and I'm grateful for that. Grateful for you, um, and I thank you for you know participating in this podcast journey with me um i love you dearly and um i wanted to end by you sharing with the people where they can find out more about you um more about your blog jimbo times la storyteller how can they find you yeah everyone is on instagram and if you are if you're scrolling through, if you're scrolling through the IG, just at Jimbo Times, just as it's spelled, uh, it might be in the show notes. I'll I'll definitely be happy to um, collaborate with more people out there, brainstorm with more people out there, because that's always needed in in creative work, and 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 that's what we specialize in, as Bethany knows, and and Bethany, 
I want to shout you out to be certain because I'm really proud of you and I'm proud to call you friend just as well. And if COVID-19 didn't have everything up in a bunch, uh, we would definitely be hanging somewhere in the South Bay so you could show me around a little more on that side of town. Yes. And, and really, you have to continue this podcast at all costs. And, and, and I'm excited because even just uh, checking out the first few episodes of this work, I'm in. I'm in and I got I'm in and I got to hear your voice and I and I want to share your voice uh, with my peers out there. So, yeah, follow me but more than anything build this podcast up, uh listenership and listening community. Get it out to the people. Make sure that they know that hey, people out in LA, they're talking and you better be listening because they're they're speaking directly to you uh over what to make of the city. And how we might be able to do that together after all. Oh, thanks, Jimmy. And I will. I will continue. I'm going to push forward and keep doing it because it's fun. And um, I think it's good. I think it's good. So I will continue. And yeah. I will put your information in the, the description of this episode. So um, you guys can find it in the, in the description. Um, Thank you so much for having me on, Beth. It's been such a pleasure just chatting with you. Podcast and none, but it's even better that it is a podcast now. Right. It's always a blessing, Jimmy. And um, thank you to everyone that tuned in for this week's episode. Um, Until next time, uh, stay cool, stay safe. Um, And I'll see you on the next episode. Peace, everybody. Peace, peace. Hey friends, thanks for listening. Please tune in every Monday for a new episode of My Weekly Epiphany. You can learn more about me at bethanyepiphany.com or follow me on Instagram at beepiphany. That's B-E-P-I-F-A-N-I. Until next time, stay cool, stay safe, and God bless.